Hi, everyone. Welcome to Smarter Lending, the essential podcast for environmental construction and appraisal due diligence insights. My name is Liz Mahoney. As your host and the Director of Sales and Business Development at Lender Consulting Services, I bring 15 years of national lending expertise to the table. Join us as we engage with industry experts to demystify due diligence, reveal insider knowledge, and stay ahead of the trends. Whether you're in the trenches or new to the field, tune in for smarter lending strategies. Let's dive in. On today's episode, we'll dive into the rules and regulations around utilizing evaluations. When is it appropriate to use versus an appraisal or a validation report? Techniques used, how regulations and internal policy come into play, and more. I am joined by Noelle McDonald, VP, Valuation Services, and Rachel Kukulin, Director of Evaluations, both at Lender Consulting Services. And rounding out our panel is Cheryl Bala. MAI AI GRS certified appraiser that actively works in the banking industry as an appraisal compliance consultant. Ladies, welcome and thank you for joining us. Let's dive right in. Cheryl, what is the difference between an evaluation and a validation? Well, validation is actually a subset of an evaluation. Both an evaluation and a validation conclude market value and both products should be stored in the credit file. The difference is that in an evaluation, the conclusion is a new market value as of the effective date. Whereas in a validity, what you're doing is you're taking that prior appraisal and you're looking to see, is it valid? Is that market value conclusion valid in the current market? And they do that by looking at property information, condition of the property, what's the occupancy, what's the income stream, okay? And they also look at market information. Is the market stable? Is it improving? Is it declining? To make a determination of validity. Um, Another difference is the point in time when each is used. Again, a validity is like a subset of an eval. So you can use an evaluation if it's a new loan below the de minimis level. Um, you can get an eval in lieu of an appraisal. You can also get an eval for a subsequent transaction um, without any threshold noted. But in in this subsequent transaction is where our validity comes into play because if you don't want to get a new eval and you have an appraisal that was already ordered, you could potentially validate it. Um, So uh, subsequent transactions, you have to have an appraisal and evaluation that exists. Now, one of the important things is that banks should have a criteria for validating an existing appraisal or evaluation in its written valuation policy. They want to see it. So how old of an appraisal can you validate? That's a great question. It comes up all the time. So agencies really don't specify a life. Um, it's really a market and property derived decision. Fannie Mae, however, does tell us, uh, Fannie Mae says an appraisal is valid for up to four months for a loan, but can be used up to 12 months if a property is not declined, which means a validity. You got to make sure that, you know, it's still valid. Um, For safety and soundness, I see that banks usually have break points addressed in either their policy or their procedures. Procedures would be a better place than policy. Um, And the break points usually differ for residential and commercial. Let me give you some examples. Like I'll see a bank say, okay, 
in our institution, um, a commercial appraisal is good for six months and a residential is good for three months. And what they're saying is that you can make a loan without us having to validate it as long as the loan is done within that period of time. And then they'll say, okay, this is the age at which we will consider validation. So you might say, oh, well, for residential, it's one year. For commercial, it's three years. That means they will consider validating that prior appraisal as long as the, the, the life of the, the age of the appraisal is not greater than whatever is set. Now, I would recommend, in addition to using an age for that determining factor of validation, that you also consider the LTV. Maybe have something in your procedure that say, we will consider validating this appraisal provided it's less than three years old and the LTV is less than 60% or something like that. Something that, that, that looks at the LTV. In FICRS, we actually have a matrix to assist banks in making these type of policy and um, procedure decisions. Um, so, Noel, it's my understanding that at Lender Consulting Services, you guys do validations. What situations exist where you would conclude that the appraisal is not valid in the current market? Sure, yes, Cheryl, we definitely do uh, evaluations and validations. Uh, when there's a major or dramatic shift in that immediate market area that would cause us to kind of pause and question whether or not there had been a drop in value, it would not likely be reasonable to perform a validation in that instance, but maybe we can do an eval. Um, if we cannot complete an eval, then we would probably recommend that our client, you know, order a new appraisal. Um, for instance, I had a recent request to validate a two-year-old report on an office building. The anchor tenant um, had decided not to renew their lease, and you know, indicating that within about six months, the building would be more than 50% vacant. Um, in the prior appraisal, the income approach was based off of a stabilized net operating income. At this point in time, in today's market, keeping in mind that that building's largest tenant was expected to, to vacate, uh, we couldn't validate that prior value. wouldn't be wise to do that. So we went back to the client with two choices. Um, they could either pro provide us with a potential, you know, potential letters of intent for any clients they had sussed out in the market and, you know, provide us those lease terms um, for the vacant space. And we can look to the open market and assess whether or not there was enough de demand significant to fill that vacant space. Then it might be possible to still order an eval. The other choice was, you know, if we can't safely fall somewhere within those parameters, we would advise, we just advise the client to do an, an appraisal in that case. Thanks for uh, that example, Noel. Uh, Cheryl, is there a threshold limit for a validation? No, um, in the interagency inter evaluate, appraisal and evaluation guidelines, um, it says you can use a validity to support a subsequent transaction as long as you can support the ballot. So there's no threshold limit. 
Now you have to check your own policy you, and you have to always remember safety and soundness. Um, the regs do tell us um, some risk factors to consider when validating. Passage of time, volatility in the local market, changes in terms and available financing, natural disasters, uh, limited or oversupplied competing properties, lack of maintenance, changes in the underlying economic and market assumptions such as cap rates and lease rates, uh, changes in zoning, building materials, technology and environmental contamination. If these pose a problem, then you may need to order a new eval or actually get a new appraisal depending upon what is allowed by law and by your policy. So we talked a bit about an evaluation concluding new market value. Cheryl, when is it appropriate to order an evaluation? Well, the law actually gives us those limits. Um, it says, uh, but, but, but besides the law, you have to check your own policy and procedures. It may be even tighter than that indicated by the law. It depends upon, you know, your risk tolerance. Um, in the law, uh, for new loans, the threshold is $400,000 unless you can get an evaluation. And then for commercial real estate, it's $500,000 and less. Um, now, uh, the National Credit Union Association, they actually um, have their limit at $1 million. And I was kind of watching to see what was going to happen um, with the agencies. And the other agencies did not follow along with that. So um, I, think, uh, I think that was a wise decision. Um, now, for a subsequent transaction, renewal, restructure, refinance, there is no limit in the law. So, you know, even though you had to get an appraisal when you initially did the loan because of the dollar threshold, when it's time for renewal, you can still get an eval, you know, subject to policy procedures and, you know, safety and soundness. Um, one of the really interesting things is, you know, all these years of doing this, I rarely came across assumptions because, you know, everybody expected that the interest rates were so low and everybody kept seeing them drop, drop, drop. So you weren't assuming a loan because you expected on your loan, the interest would probably even be less. But I am beginning to see assumptions now. And so um, if you look at the guidance, it actually tells you that a loan assumption is considered a subsequent transaction. Specifically, it says loan workouts debt restructurings, loan assumptions, and similar transactions involving the addition or substitution of borrowers may qualify for the exemption for renewals, refinancings, and other subsequent transactions. As such, depending on the collateral, either a validation of the prior appraisal or an evaluation, um, you know, could be obtained. Remember, safety and soundness may be prudent off the game and get that appraisal, um, but it is, you know, something to look at. Also, remember, because an evaluation does not have to comply with USPAP, you don't have to review for USPAP when you're doing a review. While you do have to do a review of a validation and an evaluation, every product needs a review, pay attention to what you're reviewing for. You're reviewing for what is required in the regs. So, assuming all regulations have been met and the bank's internal policies are, are being followed, Rachel, what do you see being ordered and what type of approaches are, are you completing? Uh, thanks, Liz. Um, we see all the four primary property types being ordered, multifamily, retail, office, industrial, and some specialty properties which can be valued with an evaluation report. 
you know, we've completed evals on churches, schools, daycare centers, and even bowling alleys. As long as the threshold requirements are met that Cheryl just discussed, and there's enough sales data to base our conclusions on, we can address the client's valuation needs through this tool. We are basically summoned to render commercial valuation services by developing these like short form reports that employ the sales comparison approach, the income approach, or both, which you know are similar approaches that an appraisal uses. And just to review, a comparable property analysis is where similar properties are recently sold or offered for sale in the market or analyzed. And an income approach analysis is for income producing properties where properties value using a direct capitalization approach. You know, one approach we do not typically employ is a replacement cost approach. And in general, I want to point out that the properties that are not compatible with an eval are mainly those where reliable comparable sales are rare or when a detailed income analysis is necessary and not possible given the time constraints, especially in cases where the income generated is worth more to the overall value than the actual real estate. Now I can give an example of like a parking garage where in order to forecast the revenue generated by the facility on just a plot of land, we would need occupancy rates, costs to offer the property, parking rates, and all these other market demographics, which is beyond the scope of an email. So what techniques are typically being used and, and what information do they typically contain? So the first step is an on-site inspection. Uh, we conduct that and you know, we, um, we sent out a uh, third-party inspector uh, company, and there we receive the verification of the property condition and the occupancy status, and we are sent a full set of either exterior or inter interior exterior photos, um, depending on the client's needs. Then the analytical work begins, and we start with the neighborhood and market analysis. We collect and analyze market capitalization rates. We select the comparable sales. We make applicable adjustments, and this all results in a reconciled value opinion. You know, although the evaluation is only a few pages, it contains many of the key and salient information that appraisal has. Property description, condition assessment, summary assessor data, location and market summary, a full set of the property and comparable property photos, location maps, and the most important, a detailed explained valuation grid. So Rachel, where do you get all this information to support your conclusions? Where our data is generated using CoStar, um, county assessor websites, data tree, um, a host of market analysis data. There's different like CBRE, cap rate overview studies. And we also get the local inspector feedback. So going back to the regulation, Cheryl, who are the possible evaluators? Ironically, when the regulations list possible evaluators, the first thing they say is an appraiser. Um, but then it's an appraisal in most states. Uh, most states do not allow appraisers to um, to do an evaluation without calling it one of the report types in USPAP. So um, that's 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 kind of ironic. The other professionals that it includes would be real estate lending professionals, agricultural extension agents, and foresters. Uh, specifically, brokers are not listed as a potential evaluator, and but the law all, does specifically say you cannot use a BPO or a CMA as a standalone eval, and it's logical because the conclusion of an evaluation is market value, and the conclusion of a BPO and CMA is probable price, and so those documents can't just be standalone evals. Now, you could use them possibly uh, as part of support for your evaluation, but not as a standalone eval. 
um, you need an evaluation from a qualified evaluator. And it, the regs specifically say that an evaluator must be unbiased, independent, impartial, and have no direct or indirect interest in the property. And also they have to have the education, experience, and expertise to competently complete the assignment. Do examiners prefer internal or external evaluations, one over the other? They don't really specify, but I guess that really depends. Um, as long as that person is experienced, qualified, unbiased, and independent of the transaction. When examiners go in, they want to make sure you're following the regs and you're following your own policy and procedures. Um, if you're a bank that's using an internal staff to perform evaluations, they're going to check one to make sure that that person or that staff is independent from the transaction. You can't be the loan officer. You can't be anywhere in the chain of that loan approval, right? They're gonna make sure that your qualifications are there. Um, they're gonna make sure that you have the resources to perform evaluation. So if you're not qualified enough or you don't have the resources enough to do it, um, that's a problem, right? uh, Which is why LCS offers a solution for that type of situation. Like Rachel, as a qualified, unbiased, and independent evaluator, can you can you elaborate on why you see banks coming to you for evaluation reports? Yeah. Well, I want to point out that real estate professionals like myself, you know, I've gained this type of expertise that you just discussed, you know, by specializing in this type of valuation tool. And, you know, it does really offer a solution to the roadblocks that you highlighted. Um, you know, given the ever-changing and somewhat volatile current market, you know, all what's going on with interest rates and cap rates, lenders and investors are under pressure to make quick decisions, but based on reliable data, to extend credit so they're not exposed to potentially further risk. And unfortunately, the traditional appraisal process still has not kept up with the fast pace, you know, these faster paced needs of the, our lender clients and their borrowers. You know, our clients are looking for a process which is simplified and accurate, where the quality, accuracy, and reliability of the analysis is paramount. You know, ultimately, an eval's reliability is a function of the educational background, training, and experience of the analysts, like myself. And while analysts uh, are engaged in preparing these commercial evaluation, and they're not required to be licensed or certified, they are clearly very knowledgeable, and they need to abide by the interagency guidelines. Um, you know, these valuation pr uh, products that we're producing have to stand up to the scrutiny by our sophisticated financial institution clients. You know, evals provide ultimately a relief valve for the in-house staff or bank appraisal departments because we offer this independent service that you discussed with this qualified knowledge and experience that they just may not have internally. You know, we can help with portfolio monitoring without burning these in-house bank staffs who just may not have the bandwidth to get it done. We even can provide customizable reports or frankly, just the data where we hand select the comparable sales. Mm. You know, the situation, you know, has led to the acceleration and widespread use of commercial eval ordering mm. as traditional commercial real estate appraisal products have failed to keep up with the needs of the financial institutions. Increasingly commercial evals have filled this void. You know, eval comes in as like a due diligence savior because it's cost effective, cost effective and speedy. You know, ultimately, the reason that it makes sense for many of our clients, especially when it's a low-risk loan and there's a low loan to value, it ultimately provides a prudent risk management tool. And that is why it's been made available as a valuable resource for financial institutions. 
Ladies, I appreciate your guidance on when and how to use evaluations, regulations tied around the product, how internal policies factor in, and the differences between evaluations, appraisal, and appraisal validation reports. To learn more on this topic, see our blogs, and catch future Smarter Lending episodes, subscribe to our show and sign up for our newsletter at lenderconsulting.com backslash Thanks a lot, ladies. <laughs>